You're listening to the highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Aniela Ungresen. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I co-founded what has become EDGE for Gender and Intersectional Equity back in 2009. And at that time, workplace gender and intersectional equity were still very much seen as a societal issue rather than a business issue. Organizations were asking themselves if it stays within their role to tackle these issues of equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace, or if they are the mere recipients of what is going on in societies and solo the beliefs around men and women should be doing at work and at home. So at that time, we wanted to contribute to this transition from making gender and intersectional equity a business issue. It's a key component of their sustainable business success. So our reasoning back then was to say, in order to make this a business issue, we need to come up with a solution that will help organizations tackle this in the same ways in which they tackle their business critical goals. So these are the main behaviors that we thought are critical to incorporate in any solution that will help organizations tackle diversity, equity, and inclusion or gender and intersectional lens. And this is what was embedded in EDGE and EDGE certification as solutions. One of the things that is so important when it comes to these issues, which we kind of think that they are very difficult to measure. But of course, there is a very clear way in which we can measure where organizations stand. So it is really providing a step-by-step approach in saying, okay, let's measure what is the reality of where we stand. How do we compare to our peers? How do we compare to what performance and a global standard looks like in this area? What are the gaps and what is a concrete action plan to close those gaps? It's a journey, right, that companies are on. And that's why Edge has different levels from where companies can start and to which companies can continue their journey. And just to step back for a second to understand why it is necessary to see that as a process and as a journey. In 2022, there are more chief executive officers in the world named Michael and James than women who lead S&P 500 companies. So this is the state of the world today. I think that what is really important on this journey is to understand when we talk about gender and intersectional equity, and yes, gender is that element that is the most universal across different geographies. So for organizations that are present across many different countries and many different continents, there will be one backbone, which will be gender, the binary definition to which they will be adding other aspects of the broader diversity spectrum based on the specificities of the countries of operation. So, for example, you mentioned L'Oreal, the U.S., they look at the intersection between gender and race and ethnicity. We have organizations in Europe that are very often looking at the intersection between age and gender and sexual orientation. 
Southeast Asia, sexual orientation, working with a disability are definitely emerging topics. We are global brands. We have local specificities, but we need to have a consistent way to measure gender and later intersectional equity across all our geographies. And the first challenge that we had back then is to say, can we measure gender and intersectional equity consistently across geographies? And that was one of the first idea that prompted us to form this academic and scientific advisory council to say, where is the sweet spot of providing a consistent way to measure across different geographies, across countries with widely different public policies, across countries with extremely diverse cultures around gender roles. Where do we find the common denominator to respond to this need for consistency of this global organization? So when we formed this academic and scientific council, that was the first challenge that we gave ourselves with these phenomenal thinkers to say, how can we measure gender and then intersectional equity consistently across countries and across geographies? And once we have solved that issue, the second challenge was to say, okay, now we know how to measure it. How does performance look like? How do we define what is good in this area? And then once we have answers in these two questions, how do we measure? How do we define a standard of performance? The third question was, how do we verify that organizations are in compliance with this standard? So that has been since 2009, the job of the Academics and Scientific Advisory Council, because we had a set of answers to these questions when we started. But of course, the world is moving very fast and this topic is evolving. And our answer has always been this experience for as subjective as it is, will have an influence into how engaged your employees will be in their workplace and their engagement will affect their performance. So it will hit your bottom line in a very direct way. And it will also influence how they speak about your organization as an employer. And that will definitely have an impact on your brand. In many of the organizations that we work with, the vast majority, they run employee survey, but they tend to be quite selective into who is involved in those surveys. It is our requirement for all employees to be invited, those that work in warehouses, those that work in remote and production, to be included in this exercise because their voice matters just as much as the voice of the executives of the companies matters. You know, when I started this journey, for me, what was really interesting, so I was at the time when this idea of edge came about, I was a commodities trader and my boss at that time, very, very well with a lot of good intentions came to me and said, okay, Aniela, what are we doing? Are we having babies or are we keeping you on a fast track that we put you on? And I looked at him and I was like, Mike, why are you asking me if I'm having babies or keeping you on a fast track? Do you think that me having babies would have an impact on the functioning of my brain? And I remember turning to one of my male traders and asking him, is he asking you the same question? And he said, no, he's not. And I wish he would. So it seemed to me that we are inheriting organizational structures 
and corporate structures that are no longer in line with the way in which we work in, and live in this century, <laughs> whether we are talking about men and women across their different characteristics. So it's really this deep mismatch where nobody seems to win out of this, not even corporations themselves, but somehow the power of habit and the fear of changing the power and authority structures in our organizations is holding us back. Things are extremely complicated, but there are a certain number of interesting conversations, like for example, very recently in California about the Pay Equality Act. So it is true that on the other side of the ocean, working with organizations seems to be the fastest way to progress. To give you an example, the companies that we and the organizations that we work with in the United States that does not have a paid paternity and paternity leave policy, we are working with them. So as part of their work with edge certification, they are enforcing at least 16 weeks of paid paternity and maternity policy because that's a faster way to get people to benefit from something that they should be benefiting and to go to the government route. Throughout our more than a decade-long history, people were asking that questions, would you grandchild or would you expand? And I think that strategy is sometimes as much about what you do <laughs> as, as what you choose not to do and not to focus on big believer and focused approaches. So for now, we feel that there is an area where we can effectively address the need because there are so many other valuable solutions that address the needs in the other aspects of the ESG spectrum. I think that one of the things that it's very important is not to let anybody decide or limit what you want to be. What if you want to study, the kind of career that you want to pursue, how you want to identify yourself. Nobody, no institution, no culture, no society should limit you in your ability to do so. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.